0: From KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association, this is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with LEBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Glad to have you joining us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com. Oh, Bud, last time we talked about Lincoln Transportation Utilities, Purple Lights, uh, we talked about a lot of things. Uh, today, uh got a little discussion, I think, about public safety and workforce. Yeah, I Net-
1: think uh, very timely to be talking about public safety. There's been a lot happening in our community
0: recently. LFR has uh, had quite a um, building process uh, and the positioning of new fire stations uh, because of the growth of the city, we had the one-quarter-cent sales tax that, you know, funded a new radio and several new stations. But it's time to look at some of the older stations, and I think there's some discussion about uh, maybe rebuilding or, or one, yeah. one station that's in a very, very important part of the community.
1: Yeah, it's um, so we've seen a lot, like you said, with the growth of our community, we obviously have to have uh, fire stations and police stations and police substations, I guess we'll call them, to be able to serve those parts of our city as we grow. And we're going to see, I think, probably down south of 40th and Yankee Hill, there'll be a new station going in here
0: in the near future. As a matter of fact, that land has been purchased at Wilderness Hills yeah. on 40th.
1: Yeah, so that'll help serve that as we grow with the Beltway, which is really forward thinking. It's nice to see, you know, the one at 98th and O, 98th and o Street opened here a few years ago. So, But the other thing we got to take a look at is, our current infrastructure and what do our current stations look like? And one of the biggest problem stations they have right now is 17th and Vandorn. Um, that building was actually built on a cistern and a lot of things have happened and the building is shifted and sunk and doing all these different things. And it it's just time. And so i think later this year we're going to see a new fire station going up at 17th and van Dorn.
0: at some point uh you've got to just start from scratch you've got to tear down what's just beyond its life use and go go new
1: yeah i'm pretty sure we're for for uh for just a good visual i think we're going to bulldoze it and just start over uh from the ground up which is important and that's a very important station for our city that station serves a lot of calls. I mean, they all serve a lot of calls, but that's a very, I'll call it centralized station. that's very active and they're out there. And so it's important that we have something right in that area. And that was one of the things that Chief Engler uh, really was focused on was because the location of that station is, you know, they've got a few of them that are like, these are perfectly placed stations. that was one of them that we need to stay in that area. So they're going to bulldoze, they're going to go, and they're going to rebuild in that area to serve that area.
0: Well, just think about the the changes that uh, you see in, in firefighting and in medical response because LFR has dual purpose here in this city. And, uh, you know, and as part of a recruiting effort, you've got to have facilities that make it enticing for people to want to go to work in these kind of areas.
1: Well yeah, I mean you got to have a nice place to go to work and and those those folks are there for 24-hour shifts and you're spending 24 hours there, it's got to be something that is comfortable for them. It's a good recruitment tool that you're investing in the facilities, right? You know, we always talk about apparatus, you know, the fire trucks, the fire engines, the the medic ambulances, unit, yeah, medic units, medic. all of that, but But you really got to invest in the infrastructure as a recruitment tool. We see it in all kinds of things. We see it in college athletics. We see it in everything. And it's important for our firefighters as well. Is there a timeline on this one? It sounds like to me, Mark, I think they're going to start construction around October of this year and hopefully uh, be open no later than May of 2024. So they're working on some temporary location in that general area because, like I said Chief Engler, that's one of their sweet spots where, like, if we had to put something anywhere, that's one of the places that we absolutely would want it. Staying in the
0: the broad discussion topic of public safety um, and even on a workforce, but the uh, LPD uh, is constantly recruiting. They are being, um, you know, tough to recruit in a very, very competitive environment with a lot of police, sheriff, other law enforcement agencies looking to recruit these people. Where do we stand here with LPD and their recruitment efforts?
1: Well, here's something interesting for you, Mark. Um, we're seeing police departments around the country are struggling uh, just to recruit officers, retain officers, and, and be able to serve the public. And since uh, 2019, in 2021... Resignations of police officers were 42.7% higher than they were in 2019. Wow. That's a huge number. And so when you're when you're growing your resignations by that much, your recruitment has got to happen and with police recruiting It's not like, you know, somebody shows up for an interview and you start next Monday and you're on the streets, right? You've got to go through the academy. You've got to go through the training. You know, there's a lot of training that goes into being a police officer, and it takes months to be able to get through not only the application process, the academy process, But then also they have a training program where they're paired with a fellow officer before they actually go out on the streets on their own. So, you know, it's not like maybe in my business we can hire somebody and, you know, they'll start in two weeks. This is is a several-month process.
0: Well, and you have to hire right. You've got to hire well because there's a great cost in the training and getting people in these uh,
1: occupations up to speed. Correct. Um, You know, None of us ever like to miss when we make a new hire, right? At the same time, when you invest that kind of time and effort in training and resources, frankly, you know, from the time they go through the academy, they do all their training, they get their mentorship with that other officer, which can be up to three months. I mean, you're investing almost a, a year. You don't want to miss on those. So it's a very important process.
0: Right. Put a sworn officer on the street is a, a vital part of this. I used to work for a guy who uh, in the broadcast business he had a motto about hiring he says we need to hire slow and fire fast
1: <laughs> exactly um, and that's and, but that's a that good was motto. but then
0: he'd put a, a little disclaimer on it he says we need to fire fast if we've screwed up hiring slow yeah so i th- i think that uh, you know this process from the uh, background checks and everything that goes into it and i'm sure there's there's aptitude and and mental uh efficiency tests that go into this before you even get accepted. I'm glad they're doing it.
1: There's a great deal deal of due diligence and and I know that uh Chief Ewens has done a nice job coming up with some creative things. Right now they have uh 20 recruits in in the academy, which is a really nice number. That's up a little bit uh from the past the the most recent class. Um but then also Traditionally, LPD does two classes a year, tries to do two academy classes a year to try to keep up. And, you know, they're just trying to get to staffing levels, not even recruiting ahead. Right. But one of the things that she's working on is in between the two academies is implementing a linear class, I will call it or what she is t- referred to it as. And in that linear class that 's where we 're bringing officers from other places, so it might be somebody from North Platte, hastings Grand Island, omaha, Fremont, norfolk, wherever they 've already got the training, so it's kind of, it 's a condensed time frame which then puts officers on the streets quicker. so I think that 's important, and one of the things that that we 've really been advocating for with our council members as uh, we look at the city budget, which we 've mentioned a time or two and we 'll be talking about for a few months is to allow the police and fire departments the opportunity to have a recruitment line in their budget. So right now, Lincoln Police Department, Lincoln Fire and Rescue do not have a line item in their budget for recruitment. And so if we don't have that recruitment resource available, how are we going to be able to actively recruit and proactively recruit, frankly, because... You know, recently Chief Ewens was interviewed and said she loves Lincoln and she came here from San Francisco and she loves the lifestyle here and it's a great place to live and the people and the cost of living. So we have some great recruitment tools out there that we can use, but we've just got to be able to have the resources to be out there to recruit.
0: And there's other public uh, resources in law enforcement that we get the advantage of having. I mean, we've got a a wonderful university police force that takes care of a you know the campuses, both campuses, uh, and and something that I didn't realize until a couple of years ago is that the UNL force has the same credentialing as the state patrol because they operate statewide. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of the lead agencies within the county is the sheriff's department. They too uh, affect law enforcement in the city. Where is that all going?
1: Well, and it's interesting because you you, you made a good intro there, Mark, because the the sheriff's department's struggling as well, and the sheriff's department also oversees our county corrections, which, you know, is our county jail and all those kind of things. And in the corrections world, the state has been very proactive and very aggressive in how they go after employees with Sign on bonuses, you know, you drive drive by the prison at 14th and Highway 2 and you see $10,000, $15,000 hiring bonus. And so the counties had to kind of get creative in how we're not losing our corrections folks to the state and how we're recruiting officers. So it's really, really been a big, a big investment in our county that we've really got to look forward to. And, you know, the states raise their wages with their officers and their corrections folks. So the county went back, I think it was earlier last year, late last year, raised the wages for their correction officers and then raised uh, the salaries, the base salaries and those kind of things to make us competitive. And that's that's one of the things in this kind of a market. You just have to be competitive because, you know, like I said, the state's offering some higher wages and nice sign on bonuses.
0: Being competitive in the workplace when it comes to recruiting people uh, is not is not a topic that's exclusive to public safety or law enforcement because there's workforce shortages uh, in a lot of areas.
1: We're and seeing that all across the entire community. It doesn't matter if it's a government agency or uh, a corporate business or a, a small local business. It's all across.
0: Let's go into that a little deeper here in a minute or so. Sounds great. Do you need help finding reliable financing options for? heavy machinery, trucks, other equipment for your business, well Currency is here to help. Currency specializes in finding the most competitive financing options for construction equipment, farm machinery, trucks, trailers, and other big-ticket items. Now whether you're replacing old machines or expanding your fleet, Currency makes it easy to get financing. And best of all, it's secure and free to use and it gives you a single point of contact for the entire process. Visit GoCurrency.com, fill out an application, and Currency will automatically find a lender offering the best rates and terms. Currency is equipment financing made simple. Visit GoCurrency.com and apply today. Offers may vary and arranged by ExpressTech Financing, LLC, doing business as currency, pursuant to CFL License 60-DBO-54873. Back on Lincoln Business Beat, Bud Seinhorst, the president and CEO, Mark Vail here. Workforce shortages, we're always uh, talking about that in, in business discussions. Nebraska's got the lowest unemployment rate in the nation, the lowest in our history. Uh, seeing any light at the end of the tunnel, or is it still that proverbial train coming this way? Well, it
1: it it's very interesting, Mark, because, you know, Lancaster County is got one of the lower unemployment rates around the state you know we've got 93 counties and we're 26 um, in that ranking but our unemployment rate just in the last year is down from about 2.4 percent to 1.8 percent and in the last month it went down even from 2.1 to 1.8 so our unemployment rate is incredibly low and that's making it really hard for businesses to go out and find workers and you know be able to fill the jobs that they need
0: well how does how do labor members
1: handle this i
0: mean you got to have workers stay in business
1: it's it, you know we're we're scratching our head and there's a lot of a lot of questions out there how do we do it i think uh employers are being creative in how they're recruiting people what they can do to try to make connections. You know, we we talked about this on one of the previous shows. We worked with the Career Academy to try to connect those students with business owners and what can we constantly do to make that connection. And I think you're seeing businesses adapt in some cases. You know, businesses are out there talking to high school kids. They're, they're out there talking to students at SCC. They're getting creative with internship programs and... Student loan repayment and scholarships and all those kind of things, and you know we just hear this every day. I need workers. I, I was getting new tires on my truck last week, and the owner of the one of the small businesses here in town says, "I need three people, and I I need to put them to work today." And so I connected her out at the career academy to see if maybe there's some students out there. But it's just it's everywhere. It's every industry: technology, healthcare. Automotive, grocery stores—it's all over.
0: It's kind of a upside down from what it was a few years ago, where you had to go through dozens of resumes and applications for the one or two positions you may have. Now you, these businesses are out there vying for applicants.
1: Yeah, it's kind of inverted. You know, you might yeah. have one or two applications instead of ten or twelve, which makes it, you know, makes it difficult because you again you want to make the right hire. You still need to run your business and those kind of things. So I think the other thing that we've seen over the last couple of years since COVID came to town is we've seen a lot more remote work scenarios where we're seeing people work for companies that aren't in Lincoln because they can work from home. It'll be interesting to see with what we're seeing with inflation and what's happening with the economy. You're starting to I'm starting to read more articles that during the last 2 years or so the employees have really had the leverage about workforce flexibility and where they work from and i think we might see a little bit of a shift in that with the employer having a little bit more leverage uh with the employees as we see things coming on with how inflation's infecting well people. and
0: on the other side of inflation if if we're actually headed into a recession as some say we are that's going to inject another uh, aspect into this that we're going to have to deal with.
1: Well, and I think uh, we're hearing from our companies that they're they're scared about a recession, but they're also trying to do things to maybe make sure they're keeping their employees so they don't lose even more employees. I know I've heard of companies that have been giving um, mid-year raises when they normally wouldn't so that they can try to make sure they're keeping their employees Investing in their employees because they don't want that to happen. So it's very interesting just to see how these shifts are happening and what's going to happen over the next several months and and maybe even next year.
0: Let's jump to say some of the uh, independent businesses and smaller businesses that I I'm, I know are Liba members. Uh, the president, uh, not very long ago, came out with a pretty strong uh, statement about uh, fuel station owners. He said, you know. You need to bring down the price you're charging at the pump to reflect the cost you're paying for the product. Do it now. <laughs> he was uh pretty blunt about it. Got a lot of pushback. What about these uh, fuel operators? Uh they well, I, they've got a, a a big challenge on their hand when you got the president of the United States uh putting that kind of comment out.
1: They do have a big challenge when he puts out those kind of comments, but on the on the same at the same token, I think he's got his head in the sand a little bit as we're seeing, you know. Oil prices, and we were we're trying to move towards energy independence, and you know the Keystone Pipeline. He executive ordered that out right away. Um, I actually read an article this morning, or, or maybe it was last week. It's one of the recently talking about there are companies that are talking about drilling in the Gulf, and they don't care what the president says; they're going to do it um, just to try to help drive their prices down. And you know we. We don't want to rely on foreign oil, so to speak. We've got a lot of great resources here in our country.
0: Well, and I think another thing is that there's a public perception that if a, a fuel station has one of the, the major brands on their side, whether it be Phillips 66 or Amoco or, or whatever it might be, that that's the big conglomerate oil company. No, they're just selling that product. They're independent, local, and a lot of times local businesses uh, this there's a disconnect here between the the large companies the refiners and the producers of the of the crude and the retailers
1: well absolutely and that and that's the thing they're a retailer you you hit the nail right on the head they're a re- retailer um you know just because it has the phillips 66 or Amoco or conoco or shell brand on it you know everybody thinks well that big company or whatever but you know there's a lot of costs and the other thing that's interesting about when we fill our gas tank up is the amount of taxes that we pay, right? There's all kinds of fuel taxes on there, and that's included in that price. And so, you know, it's not just the price they're charging for gas. There's, you know, the taxes, but, you know, those gas taxes go to fix our roads and highways and our, in our infrastructure system. So it's not just. You know the greedy oil company, so to speak. There's there's a whole lot that really goes into
0: that. Uh, nor is it the greedy uh, fuel stations in our town.
1: Exactly. The the prices don't change much from one side of town to the other. You're all you're paying pretty much the same price all across town. A
0: pretty uh, outlandish statement to be making. I, I think w- would be one of the things I would say about it. I
1: think that's a good way to put it. Outlandish is a real good way to put I, it. I've heard
0: one comment the other day, and I have no basis of. a a fact on this because quite frankly i don't know the data but said actually when you go into a convenience store that's a fuel service or a fuel station they may have a higher profit margin on a candy bar or from the soda machine than they do on the fuel
1: i think that's exactly right i mean when we we hear from different business owners that's that's where their the profits are in the things that you buy inside the store the donuts and the coffee and all those things not the not I, the gas.
0: I remember when, back when I was an ag reporter in Minnesota. I was at a grocery store late or early one evening, but it was cold fall, you know, rainy, and there was a lady in line ahead of me. And I was doing radio and television at the time, agriculture, and she was uh, quite miffed about the price of groceries as she was checking out. I was right behind her, and uh, she was being very vocal. And I was watching, and and anyway, she checked out, and she said, "I can't believe it! I got a cart full of gr- uh, groceries here." And it's almost a hundred dollars price of food is nuts. Well, I had had about enough that I had a long day and anyway, I said, well, ma'am, I'm sorry, but unless you're going to eat that five pound box of laundry detergent, don't equate what's in your card card with the price of food. She asked me who I was and I told her and she wasn't impressed with her, <laughs> but uh, anyway, i I just pointed out all of the non-food items that she had in her cart and she was equating it to uh her, her cost of food and uh, you know i'm the kind that should have kept my mouth shut because as she walked out she was not happy and uh, she got a little ways away and i i kind of loudly said ma'am you left something behind she turned around she said what was that and i said a very bad impression
1: <laughs> well and prices are i mean we're seeing prices everywhere it's It's, you know, you talk about laundry detergent, you talk about hamburger, you talk about milk, you talk about clothes that you buy for kids. I mean, we're getting ready for back to school and, you know, the price of clothes is going up for kids and all those kind of things and tennis shoes. So it's everywhere and we're seeing it. And there's also that domino effect of, you know, the cost to get the goods here is costing more with fuel prices and everything else and shortages. So. It, it it hits us everywhere we get it coming and going so to speak
0: all right let's take and boil this all down where are we right now how are our independent businesses our small businesses are they going to deal with recession inflation worker situations dealing with the government budgets you've got to take it all in
1: well i think the the message i like to to share with people in our community is these small local businesses are the ones that need our most support I know it's easy to sit in your living room and order things online and have it delivered within a day or two, but at the end of the day, these small local businesses make need us to make sure we're supporting them, and that's, to me, the most important message out there because those are the ones that are going to sponsor your kid's baseball team or they're going to sponsor the play at your kid's school or they're going to sponsor the auction at your church or your favorite nonprofit our local businesses are the ones that are reinvesting in our community. We need to make sure that as business, as, as community members and business owners, we're investing in our community as well. So I think that's the most important thing we can do. Find ways to make sure we're supporting that local business. Go to the boutique down the street instead of ordering from one of the big box stores online and having it delivered to your house.
0: That's this edition of the Lincoln Business Beat from the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio, reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with LEBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail.
1: Thanks a lot, Mark. We'll catch up next week. I'm sure we'll be talking more and more about that budget process.
0: Oh, that is a six-letter word in <laughs> and of itself. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com.